two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Utah's World Podcast. Tom Hack and Steve Barter with you guys for the first time in 2021. Happy New Year. Hope um, you've enjoyed it thus far and you um, you plan to, to carry on listening to us, kind of do our thing. We're going to be talking Utah football all year long as we do and have been doing for quite some time now, Steve, before we get into it. How you doing, my friend? It's been a couple of weeks since we've spoken. Is um, everything everything in the year 2021 going all right with you? Yeah, man. Um, pretty uh, pretty rough start to the year, uh, and and we'll uh, we'll talk about it here in a little bit. But other than that, man, like uh, man, we've been we've been good. We've been treated fairly well, and uh, excited to. Uh, Start the new year off with a bang and excited to be back with you, Tom, man. It's good to be back. Well, you're a good man, and um, and I certainly appreciate everything you do to help myself and all of the Utah fans out there filling us in on the happenings surrounding the Utah football program. I guess, look, we, we should start with um, the events that occurred on Christmas Day, um, which seems like an eternity ago now, uh, the passing of the late Ty Jordan, um, heartbreaking news, uh, very sad, rocked the, the entire college football world. Or the, you know, I guess you rocked the entire sports landscape here, specifically yeah. in North America, and it hit home with us in particular, as, um, as we, we do cover the Utah football program rather extensively. Um, but, Steve, I think, look, um, oh, uh, since Christmas Day, his, his celebration of life, Ceremony took place earlier this week in in Dallas at AT and T Stadium, uh, Jerry's home or Jerry's house, whatever they call that. But a remarkable, a remarkable facility, beautiful stadium, um, and it was filled with with his loved ones, uh, relatives, teammates, coaches. Uh, it, I guess it, it was it was just another reminder of just how impactful. Ty Jordan was in such a short amount of time, um, not only here in Utah, Steve, but but kind of on planet Earth. He he wasn't he wasn't old. He was very young. He yeah. had life ahead of him, and um, and he's certainly gone gone far too soon. Um, yeah. But 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 here we are. Uh, his name and legacy will forever live on. The University of Utah has initiated a scholarship. Uh, in remembrance of Ty Jordan, uh, Coach Whittingham and his wife Jamie donated one hundred thousand dollars to the scholarship to kick off proceedings there. 
Uh, Mark Harlan mentioned at the Celebration of Life ceremony in Dallas that a patch will be worn by spring teams. So the lacrosses, basketball, soccer, those sort of teams that compete in the spring, a patch will be worn to remember and pay condolences to Ty Jordan. And look, I, I just have to imagine that over the coming months, we'll hear more about how the university plans to honour Ty Jordan come football season because um, without question, there'll be something planned uh, and there may be, there, there may well be new uh, traditions that come following the passing, yeah. the tragic passing of, of Ty Jordan. What, what, what did you make of, I guess, the last couple of weeks and, and what have you taken away from it, Steve? Yeah. You know, it's been a, it's, it's definitely been a whirlwind, um, you know, since the end of the season, uh, you, you know, you finish it on, you know, quite uh, an interest, quite an, an interesting way with the, the win over Washington state, how that all went down and, you know, seeing Ty Jordan named freshman of the year, seeing other guys named to the first team and, and second team, all pack 12 and, you know, filling the highs from that and feeling really good and really positive about the future. And, and then, you know, Christmas night, the next morning and just everything came, came crashing down and uh, just uh, a reminder of just how cruel the world can be at times that a kid like Ty Jordan. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate because of, of what I do for Ute zone and, and being so involved in the recruiting aspect of it that I, I get the opportunity to talk to kids well before they get to to Utah and, you know I didn't get to talk to Ty Jordan as much as other recruits I spoke with him twice uh, during his recruitment and both times came before uh, he even committed to Texas which kind of you know he uh, he committed to Texas in August and you know he, he later flipped his commitment to Utah in November December around that area so um but I, I spoke with Ty Jordan twice and I just remember, you know, joking about him, about a hoodie that he, that he wore at a camp one time and just re- talking about it and joking about it. It was a thrasher hoodie. And, you know, I was joking about it, how they don't make them for big guys. And, you know, we, uh, we just, we had a laugh and like had fun uh, interacting about it. And, um, you know, he was, he's just, a, uh, he's a, he's the salt of the earth type of kid that, the, the world needs more of, right? The, you need, we need more of those types of people in this world, especially with what's happened you know, in the United States, you know, not just recently, but over the last year um, with everything going on, we, we need more people like Ty Jordan. And I hope that with everything that's gone on with his celebration of life, I hope that we can learn and uh, really, uh, really tried to live the way that he lived, you know, being so positive and optimistic and selfless. And I think that's the thing for me um, that I took away from him because everything, everything he did was, you know, it was never about him. He never made it about himself, you know, from the touchdown celebrations to how he reacted when he fumbled against Washington to the story later coming out from one of the, the assistance that, you know, he went to coach Whittingham after that Washington game to apologize for the fumble and and how that was something that uh, the, the coach had never seen before, um, you know, and just 
just his selfless attitude and giving praise to the team and to his his offensive line and those that that block for him, you know, that's what I'm going to remember most about Ty Jordan and what he brought and how he dedicated, you know, his life and his performances and how he lived to those around him, specifically his mom and how much that relationship meant to him. And so, you know, it's just, it's just my hope that, um, you know, it's, it's sad. It's devastating, honestly, that he's no longer with us. Um, You know, and Utah is going to honor him. They're going to remember him. They're going to memorialize him. He was (laughs) that impactful in his short time uh, in the program. But I hope that we can, truly learn from him, look inside and, and really ask ourselves if we're living the way, you know, that he lived and, and make adjustments. I know I've got to make adjustments in my life because, you know, I'm inspired by how Ty Jordan lived and the impact that he left, um, that he left us with in his short time. And so, you know, that's, that's my hope having gone through all of this the last couple of weeks uh, feeling the emotions that we have, um, you know, and, and, you know, there's been, there've been tears shed, you know, when, when uh, coach McDonald, not, not Utah's coach McDonald, but his, his coach McDonald at, at West Mesquite shared that, uh, you know, Ty Jordan texted him, you know, after his official visit that, you know, he was home, that this was home for him. Uh, you know, there were, there were tears shed and uh, it was, uh, it's tough to lose a kid like that. That was so invested in Utah and so happy to be here. Um, it's tough, man. It, it's, it's definitely tough, but again, I, I just hope that we can learn from his example and, and move forward, uh, keeping him in mind and, and honoring him and everything that we do. Beautifully said, uh, Steve, I agree wholeheartedly and, and a lot of what's kind of transpired, since Christmas Day um, has been a reflection on, on Ty and, and the impact he had, not, not just on the football field, but off the football field as well. He touched many lives and, um, uh, and he will be sorely missed. But, yeah. but hopefully he's, he's in, a, in, a, in a safer and more peaceful environment alongside his late mother, Tiffany, who passed away uh, the middle of last year. Um, and so I guess if, if there is any silver lining that, that would, that would more likely than not be it. Um, a lot of Utah fans out there have decided they're going to run 597 miles yeah. in honor of Ty Jordan. I think that's really neat, Steve, uh, 597 yeah. being the number of yards that Ty Jordan produced during his loan season in 2020 for the Utah football program. Uh, he did that in very few games, um, Towards the start of the season, he shared a lot of reps with uh, Devin Brumfield and Jordan Wilmore. Um, by the time the season came to an end against Washington State, he had all the reps. And Devin Brumfield and Jordan Wilmore were not on the Utah football team, remarkably, uh, simply because of the efficiency and productivity of Ty Jordan. I mean, he was, he was as talented as they come. And I, I remember prior to his passing, having conversations with people about, you know, what sort of an impact can this kid have? I mean, like how, yeah. how big is his ceiling? How tall is his ceiling? Uh, look, I went on the record and said, I think he will be better than Zach Moss. Zach Moss being the, the greatest Utah running back Utah has ever seen. And 
Ty Jordan, in, in such a short amount of time, was able to bring so much hope to this program that so desperately, desperately needs a Pac-12 championship under its belt, which is where I, I want to move the conversation, Steve, if you're okay with that. And I want this podcast episode to be, to be about when Utah football is going to win their next Pac-12 championship. Because right now, a lot of Utah fans, they're not, they're, not, they're not thinking a ton about football right now. The football season's coming to an end. Ohio State and Alabama are scheduled to play in just a handful of days' time for the Pac-12, uh, not for the Pac-12 championship game, for the national championship in Miami, Florida. And that will conclude the 2020-21 football season. Now we enter kind of the dark days of college football where we, we kind of hang on for dear life and dream and think and eat about the upcoming football season, which is now a number of months away. But nonetheless, uh, football lives inside the minds of Utah football fans. And this conversation will hopefully bring some light to, um, to, our, to our beloved listeners. I think it's an important conversation to have, and it probably will, will be a conversation we have more than once during the off-season, Steve. But look, my opinion is this, and then I'd love for, for you to kind of chime in and, 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 and I'd love for you to speak what you have to say on the matter. Carl Whittingham doesn't have a ton of years left in him. I think the bottom line is he's 61 now. He's probably got four, five, maybe six years left. Uh, who knows? He could coach for long. It's just my best guess. Um, and he's achieved a ton. He really has. He's, he's going to go down as, as, as one of, if not the greatest Utah football coaches ever to have coached this program. He has a Sugar Bowl victory to his name, Steve, uh, against Alabama. He's won multiple bowl games since then. He has uh, developed a large number of NFL players. He has a lot of NFL draft picks under his name. And look, he, he wins more games than he doesn't. He has played in Pac-12 title games. He played in back-to-back title games in 2018 and 2019, but he's yet to win one. Um, his resume speaks for itself. He's a really, really good coach. He's not a great coach. He's a really good coach, but he's not a great coach. He has to win, in my opinion a Pac-12 championship to solidify his legacy at the University of Utah. Some people are going to disagree with me, and that's okay. That's fine. To each their own. And, and by the way, you, you may have noticed I didn't throw in the 2004 Fiesta Bowl victory. I know he was a part of the coaching staff, and it was during a time where Urban Meyer was leaving, and he was technically the man in charge. But look, at the end of the day, he wasn't the head coach that year. He was the defensive coordinator. And there are some people out there, Steve, that'll say in 2008, although he was the head coach, the seniors on that 2008 team were the senior class from Urban Meyer's 2014. And I'm not willing to go there. I'm willing to give Carl what he can the credit of that 2008 Sugar Bowl. But would you agree that to solidify his legacy, a Pac-12 title is a necessity and a requirement for not only himself, but the thousands of Utah fans around the country and around the world? Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I agree with you, Tom. I agree that 
that Whittingham needs, you know, a Pac-12 championship um, on his resume to to cement his legacy. But I uh, I do think that Kyle Whittingham is a great coach, and and here's my here's here's why, um, you know, having being involved in the, in recruiting, you know, as closely as I am, and, and seeing the difference in talent uh, that Utah has that they're able to bring in um, compared to the the programs that they're competing against week in and week out. Utah is they you know they're at a disadvantage um, compared to the other programs in the Pac-12, and you know I'm not trying to make excuses um, for for Utah because you know they don't even want to hear them. They're not about it. They're about getting out there and winning the game, and that's all that matters. And I bring it up just to reinforce the the fact that. You know, Utah's only been a Power 5 program for 10 years. Uh, these other programs in the Pac-12 and the previously known as the Pac-10, you know, they've been recruiting at this level for decades. And they have pipelines that Utah could only dream of, right? Like, we're talking about Utah's best recruiting classes. And these are, you know, <laughs> these are, are the type of classes that, you know, UCLA, ASU, uh, Oregon, Washington. These are the types of classes that they've been recruiting for years and decades, right? And now Utah is just starting to uh, to get that type of talent. So, um, so I I give Whittingham more credit uh, for getting Utah to the point that they are at now. So I, I do think that Whittingham is a great coach. I think that a Pac-12 championship would cement his status as a great bordering elite coach. And so I, I'm, I'm with you totally that a, he needs a Pac-12 championship on the resume. Um, Whittingham has his, you know, he's got his, his warts on the resume. You know, we can talk about the, the OC carousel, um, of just bringing in and churning out, you know, offensive coordinators during the uh, during their transition to the Pac-12. You know, that's something that will always be uh, be an ugly mark on his resume. But uh, I think to get Utah here, I don't think that we truly understand, and we'll never truly be able to know for sure what anybody else would have done with Utah making that transition from the Mountain West to the Pac-12. Um, I think I just don't want to take it for granted. And, and I want to give Whittingham credit for guiding Utah through that transition. Um, but I completely agree with you, Tom, again, that I do think Whittingham needs a Pac-12 championship. And I think what you're seeing from Utah, you know, this recruiting cycle and what they've done to address the quarterback position specifically and, you know, we'll see what they do with the running back position. But they are loading up because I think they realize that they have a window next season and and the seasons after that to really contend for a Pac-12 championship. So, uh, you know, they're they're loading up, and, and I think they're going to swing for the fences over the next few years to uh, to bring in, you know, a Pac-12 championship for Witt. Well, thanks for bringing that up, honestly, because because – 
when I was kind of dissecting and listing off the achievements Carl Whittingham has made over the course of his tenure, you know, I, I, I did forget to bring up the transition from a group of five uh, conference to a power five. And to be quite frank, Steve, I think there's an argument to be made that that achievement alone is maybe the greatest of them yeah. all. I mean, like yeah. I, I, I saw it firsthand. I arrived in 2012. Uh, so a year after they 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 debuted in the Pac-12, um, and it was hard. It was yeah. tricky. You know, you 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 watched Utah play, and I I got to see him from the sidelines. You watched him play, and and you could see the talent differential. Right. I mean, yeah, size differential, yeah. everything. We would walk out there um, right before kickoff, and we'd we'd kind of weigh ourselves <laughs> up against the rest, size them up, uh, yeah, for and the sure. other team would go. <laughs> You go, man, <laughs> like, these guys are bigger, faster, and stronger than we, we got to compete are. against like, What are we going to do? The world? I know. And, and so thank you, I guess, for bringing that up because that is, that is a big, big part of Carl Whittingham's coaching tenure. And in my opinion, anyway, it's probably the, the biggest achievement of them all because that is so hard to do. And the grass is not always greener. And for a few years there, there are a lot of fans calling for Coach Whittingham's yeah. head, 2012, 2013 in particular, where – Utah went five and seven in back-to-back years, didn't make a bowl game. And you start scratching your head going, you know, are we, are we up for this challenge? Can we hang with these dogs? Uh, and then, of course, 2014, 2015 came along. We had winning mm-hmm. seasons. Uh, and from there on, you know, Utah's been a really, really good team in the Pac-12, but also in the country, beating teams like Michigan um, and, and whatnot. So, but um, – but- to your to your original point, Tom, I do think that you know the the point that you know that that he needs a, a championship is you know we want to see him win with the team that is expected to challenge, right? Like I think this is a conversation that you always hear with with NBA coaches like Phil Jackson. Well, you know he never had to to build a team; he always had stars, and just he just had to guide the ship. And I think it's kind of the same thing with Whittingham. Like, yes, he gets, he deserves a lot of credit for building Utah into a contender, but now we actually want to see him win at an elite level. And I think that's, that's what we want to see next from, from Witt. I I also bring it up, Steve, because, you know, look, I, I, I'll be honest. Um, You, you go back and you look at that 2019 roster. I mean, that, that, that's as good of a team as, as Utah's ever had. Yeah. And, and I, look, I don't care who you are. We can debate all day if the 08 team was better than the 19 team. I mean, look, nobody's right at the end of the day. It's all opinion. But there were six guys on the defense alone that ended up being drafted in the, um, in the following NFL draft a few months after that game was played. Uh, you had the best running back in the entire conference. You had a quarterback that's now playing... Uh, on an NFL roster, on a very good NFL team in Tyler Huntley. It was a seasoned team filled with veterans, filled with upperclassmen, and and they had more leadership than they probably knew what to do with it. I mean, I just look at that 2019 team and I go, I don't know if if Carl Whittingham's going to have a better team. I don't, because it's going to be hard to match. It, It just is. That team was stacked on just about every position. Now the downfall on that team and the downfall as the season progressed 
you know, and the game against Oregon in the title game and the following bowl game in the Alamo Bowl against Texas. The weakness of that team was the offensive line. That's the only real position group that you can look at and go, well, the reason we didn't win is because we didn't have a good offensive line, which goes back to my, my, my whole philosophy of football, essentially, is if you, if you don't have a good offensive line, it doesn't matter who else you have on the team because if you can't run protect, you can't run the football. And if you can't pass protect, you don't give t- enough time for your quarterbacks to go through his progressions and to be effective throwing the football. Um, but with that being said, I do, still, I, I do think it's possible. I think Utah can get just as good of a team, if not better, over the next four or five years. But it's going to be hard. Do you think the current roster and the current players on the roster, plus the, the recruiting uh, cycle and the way it's, 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 it's going up, right, the trajectory of, yep. of kind of the, the annual uh, recruiting cycle, uh, I, I think Utah is, is poised for at least one more Pac-12 title run under Carl Whittingham's leadership. Yeah. No, I, I agree, and, and uh, I, I mentioned it earlier. I, I, do, I do think that, you know, Utah's got the roster that can contend next season um, and the following seasons after that. You know, they've, they've got a young roster. Over 70% of this roster is freshmen. Like, that's insane. And yet it's, it, you're returning a lot of these guys that started for the first time this past season and Granted, it was only five games, but still, it was five Pac-12 games. And so they got to go up against the best. And, you know, the key thing there was the defense and seeing where they were at. Because, you know, at Utah, it's always going to be the defense. And it's always going to be about them. And they proved that they've they've got talent yet again. So, um, you know, I do think that Utah's got the roster. And I think what they've realized is they need a major upgrade at the quarterback position. And so not only did they land their, their top priority in the recruiting cycle uh, with Peter Costelli, four-star kid, good arm talent, uh, good athlete, incredible athlete for 220 pounds. You know, you get him early on in the cycle he plays a role in recruiting others to join him in the class throughout the, the rest of the year. And then you go and you add Jaquin and Jackson, uh, just an incredible talent. Like we're talking a 230 pound kid that runs a four, six, like he's a freak athlete, a big arm. Um, and then you add Charlie Brewer who, you know, this is, this is funny. I was on with, with Spence check. earlier this week on ESPN 700, you know, friends, friends of both of us, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I made the, the comment that, you know, Charlie Brewer is a, he's a proven winner. He's proven that he's capable of leading a team to victory. You know, that point he led Baylor's 2019 team to a sugar bowl berth. And, you know, you look back at it and you look at Jake Bentley's resume, he was a 19 and 14 guy. And, you know, that should have been a red flag for us now, you know, high, you know, but it's hindsight is 2020. And so, and I think that was one thing that we, we learned from the Jake Bentley experiment is, you know, regardless of what you hope to see and what you think he could be, his resume is, is what it is. And he's a reflection of what he, what he was at South Carolina. And, 
And, you know, that 19 and 14 record reflected him and what he is as a quarterback perfectly. And so uh, I do think that Charlie Brewer is the type of guy that can come in and kind of lead the way and lead a team to a big season and not get in the way. I think that's kind of the difference here is Jake Bentley can get in the way. You know what I mean? Like, as long as you're on schedule with stuff, I think Charlie Brewer is a good guy, a good quarterback. So, again, I'm, I'm rambling here just about the quarterback position, but I do think that Utah's got the roster to, to compete immediately next season and compete at a high level. And I think the staff is kind of moving their chips to the center of the table and going all in on, on next season. Well, I'm glad you brought up the quarterback position and, um, and the roster spots that have been filled uh, in that regard, because I think Utah fans, I hope anyway, learned a decent amount from what happened with Jake Bentley. Uh, uh, yeah. And look, the, I guess what I'm trying to get to is, is when Jake Bentley first committed to, to Utah and said he was going to come out to Salt Lake City, just about the entire fan base, just about everybody in the media, threw their hands up in the air and said, well, there you go. Uh, there's the 2020 starting quarterback for you. And, and that's fine. And that's great. And that's cool. And I get it. He, he's a talent. But he's at South Alabama now. He just committed. Yeah. He's not paying attention. He just committed to South Alabama. So he's gone from South Carolina to Utah to, to South Alabama. Look, he's ju- you just cannot be so sure. And the whole time you and I both talked about Cam Rising and the talent yeah. that he is and the fact that he's been in the program for the amount of time that he had been uh, and his athleticism and his ability to throw the ball. And look, we didn't get a great uh, deal of, of footage on Cam Rising, but, but this is what I'm going to go out and say and, and go on the record and say about the quarterback position. I think, and I, I'd love to hear what you have to say. I think Cam Rising is the quarterback uh, for 2021. I, I Look, I just do. I think he's good. Uh, and I think yeah. he's deserving of a, a, a spot uh, and another chance. Uh, and if he can stay yeah. healthy, who knows just how good he can be. I don't think Jacks, the Jackson felon, the transfer from Texas, I think he's, a, I think, like you said, incredible athlete. And he yeah. may well play a role at the quarterback spot for Utah, but it's going to take a couple of years. His, his downfall is his throwing. He may have a strong arm. He may be able to throw at 75 yards over the mountains, whatever the case may be. But yeah. you've got to be kind of nifty and you've got to be sharp and you've got to be able to go through progressions and you've got to be able mm-hmm. to you know, evade pressures. And, and, and I just don't think he's there yet. And I don't, mm-hmm. I, look, I, I, I think he knows that he's not there yet. And that's fine. It, quarterbacks don't just come from high school all the time and explode onto the scene like Trevor Lawrence did. Um, and, and, then the, and then the concern I have with Brewer and, and, and this is kind of where I'd love for you to chip in. If you look at his numbers, Steve, his best year at Baylor, Baylor was his freshman year. Since then, he's been good, but he hasn't been as good. That's got to be a concern for Utah fans out there. And that's why I'm saying you can't just pencil this kid in to just all of a sudden be the quarterback of 2021 for Utah football. He has gotten worse over a four-year span at Baylor. Yeah, no, I, I think it's it's a Charlie Brewer is a fascinating study because you're right. Like the numbers, <laughs> you know, indicate that you know his freshman season was his best season from a, a statistical standpoint. Um, and I'm pulling up the numbers now, so I'm talking and trying to uh, to buy myself some time here. So I'm going to just keep talking until I pull it up because that's just what you do, but I'm almost there. I'm almost got his passing numbers up here. 
in uh, <laughs> so uh, his first season, and this it's crazy. He's a four year starter that is transferring. So his first season, he completed sixty eight point one percent of his uh, of his two hundred four attempts. Um, good for a seven point seven yard average per attempt. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. Those are those are good numbers. Um, you like that. Uh, completed 61.5% his sophomore season for, again, 7.7 yards per attempt. Not bad. His uh, junior season, which is the season where he led Baylor to the Sugar Bowl uh, game against Georgia. Uh, and if you remember, it was Baylor and Utah down the stretch uh, in the college football playoff conversation in November. So both of these teams were were playing were paying close attention to one another, and so uh, Brewer was you know I really like what Brewer brought to the table. He completed sixty four and a half percent, eight point one yards per attempt, which is that's pretty good. And so I think the thing here is you know you look at what Utah how they are as a team. Utah doesn't need a guy that needs that 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 has to light up the world in in the passing game. If you can get a guy that can you know, complete two thirds of his passes for 230 yards per game, 240 yards per game, which is about what Tyler Huntley did his senior season. Granted, he was completing about 76%, 71% of his passes, which is just like absurd. He like just an absurd completion percentage. But if you can get that with the rest of the roster, like I think Charlie Brewer can, can get the job done. Um, and can be a guy that will, again, he won't, he'll keep you on track. He'll keep you on schedule and he won't hold you back like a Jake Bentley would. That's, that's how I see Charlie Brewer. I do think that he has the arm. I do think he's a quality quarterback and I think he's a guy that can lead the team and can win the job. Uh, But I, I, I agree with you that Cameron rising, if he's 100%, which you know, talking to people, it sounds like the expectation is that he will be 100%, um, you know, as long as his, uh, you know, rehabilitation recovery goes well and stays on schedule, he'll be 100% by the summertime. And hopefully, you know, he's got his throwing and, and, and all of that back to uh, back to full strength by the time fall camp rolls around. Um, you know, Cameron Rising is going to be in the thick of this thing because, He's got everything that Kyle Whittingham loves at the quarterback position. He's uh, just, he's got a good arm. Uh, he's mobile. And, you know, he's a guy that, you know, he's just, he's got, like Whittingham said, you can't really explain it, but you, you can just see it and, and you can feel it. And, and Cam's got that it factor. Um, and so that's just something that you, it's, you can't coach it. It's just, you got to have it. You either have it or you don't. And it's very clear that that rising has it. And so that's one thing that I'm very interested in seeing and learning more about these other quarterbacks is who of these other guys, do they have that it factor? Do they have that confidence and, and swagger and, and ability to, you know, make quick decisions while still remaining in, in the structure of the offense? And, and that's, that's something that I'm, I'm really interested to see. I do think that each of these guys will be competitive and will compete for the job. I think, you know, the the raw talent of Jaquinda Jackson and Peter Costelli is going to keep them in the competition. And I think that's a good thing. I think you want those guys to to push Brewer and to push Rising for the job. 
um, because that shows that you're recruiting, you're, you're evaluating well and you're recruiting well and you're bringing in the right type of guys to fit what you're trying to do at the quarterback position. So this is, we said it last year with what they had in the program. We'll say it again this year with what they have. This is the best the quarterback position has ever been on paper. Now they just got to figure it out on the field and, you know, hopefully things will get back to normal where we can have a regular spring camp. We can have a regular off season workout plan. We can have a regular fall camp and get back to business in 2021. Um, But yeah, this is a good group to work with, I think for sure. Well, there are a number of things going in favor of uh, the Utah football team. Um, If they can get a spring together, that'll be massive. Look, they ended 2020 on a, on a four-game win streak, they went. They started three game, zero and three games. Three games. Sorry, zero and two. They started zero and two, and then they ended uh, at three and two. Um, and so that that that's really cool. And I'm telling you that for a young team, that goes a long, yeah. long way. And and I understand that the best player on that team is no longer with us, and then and that's going to be an obstacle that they're going to have to overcome. And and they probably won't. Uh, the production of Ty Jordan was something that nobody at Utah football seen before. I mean, he was, he was incredible. Um, he was special. He was very special. But, but, but there's still momentum there. And, yeah. and this young team, Nate Ritchie showed up. Clark Phillips ended with a pick six. I mean, you know, some of these guys on the defensive side in particular look like they're going to they're turn themselves into a formidable, formidable unit over this upcoming season and the years to come. So uh, on top of all that, Steve, Brant Keithy announced that he's going to come back for the upcoming Mm -hmm. season. Uh, Nick Ford has done the same. We haven't heard from Devin Lloyd yet. Uh, And so that's still up in the air. I wouldn't be surprised if Devin Lloyd decides he's going to enter the NFL draft. He is a a linebacker that when you watch him play, you, you can kind of just picture him playing in the NFL. He's fast. He's elusive. He's agile. He can run from sideline to sideline. He's a leader. He studies his tape. I mean, he's, he's really, really good. Um, and the production we saw from the Nate Richies and the Clark Phillips of the world came as a result of the guidance and leadership of Devin Lloyd playing the linebacking spot. So um, this this future is bright for Utah football. There's there's a lot of work to be done, no question. Carl Whittingham yeah. has his work cut out for him. But at the end of the day, here we sit at the start of January, uh, just over a week into the new year. We're talking about a team, despite it being so youthful and young, could contend for a Pac-12 championship, which is, I'm sure, all that, that Utah fans can ask for right now. Um, oh, for sure. Steve, we, we, we do have to make mention of Nate Wade Subaru. Okay, 2107 South Main Street down there. Uh, they got this this new feature um, on their website, natewaitsubaru.com, where if you don't feel comfortable going down to the dealership, you can do anything you need online, literally anything. You can test drive cars. You can talk to uh, representatives from the dealership. You can ask and get uh, answers on trade-in values. Um, anything you, you would like to do at the dealership, you can do online. So natewaitsubaru.com is the website. Go check them out. Uh, Steve, your Twitter handle is at sbartle247. You're also a big, yes, big, big part of utezone.com. So if you listen to this podcast religiously and you do not have a subscription to utezone.com, you are doing yourself a disservice. 
head on over to the website, check them out, seven-day free trial uh, to kind of uh, dip your toes into. And, of course, KSLSports.com, which is where you can find my work um, and, and, and a lot of other people's work. So uh, we love you. We appreciate you. Happy New Year to all. We'll be back every week to fulfill your Utah football needs. Steve, be well, my man, and we'll speak soon. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.